Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rear Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Level 5 COVID restrictions have been extended until the 5th of March at least and we have a reminder again on the main guidelines in relation to farming. IFA for the first time ever held its AGM online. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin addressed members on key issues at this time. The Tagus Grass 10 campaign report was released last week. It coincided with the Grassland Farmer of the Year Awards, which proved to be very successful for Cork entrants. And we hear from the local category winners on Farm Talk today. We hear about nitrates and nitrogen efficiency in relation to farming and a threat to the sheep sector that needs urgent attention. Farm Talk's John O'Connor will also look at stories making the agri-news this week. Level 5 COVID restrictions will continue until at least the 5th of March. IFA says the challenges posed by COVID require a collective effort and with over 940 branches around the country, it's important farmers look out for other farmers in their parish. IFA President Tim Cullinan is asking members to be conscious of older neighbours and those with underlying medical conditions. Resources available if needed include the IFA COVID-19 Information Hub, the COVID-19 Alerts and Updates and the IFA Essential Farm Travel Template. COVID-19 TB testing protocol is being extended until the 1st of April and IFA Animal Health Chair Pat Farrell welcomed the extension and said it's a practical recognition of the situation and the challenges and concerns which are facing farmers at this difficult time while also ensuring the TB programme continues to function. A limited amount of essential construction work will be allowed on farms under Level 5. It must be animal welfare related, such as milking parlours and calf sheds. The delivery of essential services to farmers, fishermen and the food and forestry sectors has been prioritised by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine throughout the course of the pandemic, including services such as export certification, scheme payments and protocols to allow marked services continue on a limited and controlled basis. The department says it continues to monitor the situation and is following the advice of the Chief Medical Officer in the Department of Health and the HSE 
in relation to COVID. As always, farmers should remember to observe basic biosecurity protocols and safety rules when working on the farm. Farming, fisheries, forestry, food and beverage production and ancillary services have been designated as essential in the context of the current public health emergency. IFA's AGM was held online for the first time ever and addressed by both the Taoiseach Micheál Martin and the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue. In his address, the Taoiseach discussed the Agri-Food Strategy 2030, export performance and prospects, Brexit, farm incomes, beef sector supports, climate ambitions and cap, amongst other topics. IFA President Tim Cullinan told the Taoiseach under cap proposals, farmers are facing a 30% cut in basic payments in 2023. Decisions on cap, he said, will define farming for the next decade. And he laid out three core issues for the Taoiseach to consider. Well, just, I just quickly want to mention cap and the eco scheme. Like, as, as this has been framed at the moment, it has the potential to take 30% out of farmers' income, out of pillar one, which is the direct payment that farmers get every year. You know, I would like if we could get a commitment from you today that, you know, you will do everything in your power that, you know, that, that won't happen. And I suppose, obviously, the other one is Brexit. And, and as I mentioned already, one billion fund, you know, there's a fair proportion of that would come to agriculture, you know, because agriculture you know, has been suffering from the effects of Brexit since, since the time of the, the vote. The third one, obviously, is climate change. And, you know, if we look at it, you know, farmers are doing a lot. Of, and, um, you know, we need to bring balance into this debate and we need to be able to deliver in our industry. And, you know, a lot of new measures have been put in place and they are going to take time to, to work through the system. They're the three key um, concerns we have today. Obviously, we have much more, but they are the top level ones we have at the moment. Just to say to you that, you know, there's been a very hectic scheduling of meetings at EU Council level since July. The first major one being agreement on the multi-annual financial framework that you uh, identified in, in your own contribution earlier. And then the broader um, European Union re- uh, recovery fund, which broke new ground in terms of Europe collectivizing debt, if you like, and, and borrowing collectively to restart and reboot uh, the European economy and to, and to uh, underpin European economies um, in the context of COVID-19. But what was very interesting there, and not just interesting, but just factual, uh, the Commission has laid very heavy emphasis on a green recovery and on digital transformation. Now, that's where it's at at European level. Uh, and that's, those are the realities. But also, they potentially, and I think we should do an impact assessment, of course, but the impact assessment shouldn't just all be about threats. It should also be about opportunities. Uh, and funding will follow that that thematic approach that's been adopted by the Commission. We, 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 we'll only, we won't benefit hugely from, from the recovery fund. We get over a billion. I think the Beggars Adjustment Fund is significant for us. And as you mentioned, there's implications for agriculture there in terms of the money we have received and in terms of supporting adjustment, adjustments that have been, or that we will receive under that. Uh, and then we have the strategic approach to the next round of CAP. Certainly, there will be challenges, but I think we've got we've got to also look for, for for the opportunities. We had a major EU Council meeting recently on the European Union's climate objectives to 2030, uh, which were refined uh, to a higher ambition. That took 22 hours before we got final agreement on it. 
I say this to give people a real sense of the direction of travel. I know other countries have other issues in terms of coal and fossil fuel generation in some of the Eastern Bloc countries. Um, we obviously have challenges um, here in, 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 in both agricultural transport and the wider society. Uh, and I think we're making progress in Ireland. We're, we're, we're making significant progress. And we have to work with you in that regard. And yes, impact assessment has to, has to happen. On the nursing home bill, uh, I think it's on the schedule. Uh, so I'll be working um, with, with, with the various ministers in relation to this, with, with, with Charlie and also with, um, uh, with the Attorney General's office to make sure we can get the legislation um, through, uh, formulated effectively and get it through the House. Um, but uh, I, we are committed to getting it done. Um, and uh, that, that's, that's the commitment across government. Thanks for that, Taoiseach. And I welcome um, your words on the impact assessment. You know, I think that is absolutely essential that that's, could be initiated and you know, obviously you know, the sooner the better. I'd appreciate if you would take one question from our Deputy President, Brian Rush. Thank you, President, and thank you, Taoiseach. I just want to make a point and, and a question about the, the cap. So the current direction of travel in the new cap could possibly result or will result in farmers to be asked to do more and more for less and less. That would result in a hit on income and a cut on farmers' income. If you look at the vulnerable sectors within, within, within farming at the minute, some of those sectors rely 160% of their cap payments are used by the farm. So they're subsidising the rent price with their cap payments. So we need a commitment that any new cap or any new proposals that come out in the cap will not be, will not be asking farmers to deliver on environmental measures without additional funding and a reward for delivery around that. We, we believe in incentivizing farmers uh, and we get the, the financial requirements to ch- for change and for adapting new approaches to meeting climate change objectives. We, we certainly get that uh, and there are certain areas where we think we can uh, assist and where we can be proactive as government but also within the European Union context and the cap context. I hear you loud and clear in terms of of, of your basic point that uh, it's, it's not about asking more for, uh, for, for less. I, I fully take on board your, the, the essential thrust of what you're saying, and it's our challenge to, in the negotiation of CAP, to, to reflect what you're saying and to do the very best we can uh, to incentivize and to create rewards for, for practices that can contribute to realizing the overall European goals and objectives around climate change and Irish goals around climate change and, uh, and the objectives that we have set ourselves as a country as well. Thanks for that, T-shirt. Well, I think. That's going to be very, very important, obviously, in the months ahead. So I just can't stress enough the importance of that is for, for farmers. I just want to mention as well the co-funding in Pillar 2, you know, from the national budget here at home. You know, that, that's critical as well. And, you know, we do acknowledge in the budget gone by last year that there was a continuation. But, you know, yes. we are in, in putting together a new scheme now. And, you know, it's, it's important that um, that's looked after as well. The president of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, has rejected the findings of a report published by the EU Commission claiming to show that the European Union's policy on trade deals has been benefiting the farmers in the community and the agri-food sector in the European Union. The EU Commission's report claims that EU policy will result in substantial increases in EU agri-food exports with more limited increases in imports, creating a positive trade balance overall. The report quotes the Commission's Executive Vice President, Valdis Dombrovskis, as saying the European Union has, quote, 
always stood for open and fair competition, which has enormously benefited our economy, including agricultural producers. And, Mr Cormac says, this is not in line with what most farmers know about the policy and have experienced under the policy. Mr McCormack went on to say that Mr Dombrovskis must be aware of the fact that the number of farm families in the European Union has declined and is still declining year on year over the past 25 years. If what he said was true, if EU trade policy was benefiting agricultural producers, then that would be reflected in the numbers of EU citizens farming or otherwise engaged in primary food production. But those people are actually still leaving the sector year by year. Every year, they're showing what they think of the European Union's attitude to European Union farmers. The number of farmers recording 20 or more grass measurements and using PBI, Pasture Base Ireland, to manage grass on their farms has increased by over 100% since the Grass 10 campaign began. Increasing the level of PBI usage has been one of the key objectives of the Grass 10 campaign. In 2020, over 4,000 individual commercial farms recorded at least one grass measurement or more on PBI, Pasture Base Ireland. The level of regular pasture measurement needs to increase to gain greater improvements in grassland management. There's been a strong focus on training of farmers to become PBI users, particularly through the Grass 10 courses. Outlined as part of an article by Mr John Marr, Dairy Specialist, Chagas Moorpark, in this month's Milk Matters magazine for dairy gold suppliers, there are various tables outlining the number of farms which have completed 20 measures of farm cover and have data entered into the PBI database. The number of dairy farmers using pasture base at some level represents about 25% of milk production in the country. The table used by John Marr, dairy specialist, Chagas Park in this month's Milk Matters magazine to outline the number of farms who have completed 20 or more grass measurements annually over the last few years on PBI reads as follows. Starting with the year 2016, there were 659 dairy farms, 49 dry stock farms, totalling 708 farms altogether. In 2017, 739 dairy farms, 70 dry stock farms, with a total of 809 farms. 2018, 731 dairy farms, 93 dry stock farms, giving a total of 824. And for the year 2019, representing the steep upward curve of dairy and dry stock farms who had completed 20 or more grass measurements over that year, pointed to dairy farms 1,014 and dry stock farms 106, giving a grand total of 1,120 farms. Coming to the year 2020, dairy farms 1,623 with dry stock farms 116, giving a grand total there of 1,739 farms, dairy and dry stock, who had completed 20 or more grass measurements over that year. John Marr points out the average farm cover on dairy farms across the Dairy Gold Co-op region in late November, early December, was 703 kgs of dry matter per hectare from pasture-based Ireland data. This is about 50 kgs of dry matter per hectare ahead of last year.
This puts most dairy farmers very much on target for having a good supply of grass available next spring. However, about 18% of farms have a closing grass cover of 500 kgs of dry matter per hectare or lower. These farms, John points out, will generally record a much lower grass growth rate over the winter period and next spring. This will result in lower levels of grass being available next spring for grazing. In respect of winter grass growth, John points out that average grass growth over the winter period is about 3 to 4 kgs of dry matter per hectare per day, only if there is some grass on the farm. Given a normal closing-out strategy, many farms will have a closing cover of about 700 kgs of dry matter a hectare on December 1st. If growth is about 3 to 4 kgs of dry matter per hectare per day during December and January, that would mean grass supply will be about 900 kgs of dry matter per hectare or more on February 1st. That amount of grass would allow many herds turn out calved cows full-time to grass during February, provided ground conditions allow. And those are some of the comments by Mr John Marr, Dairy Specialist, Chagas Moor Park, writing on grass matters in the Dairy Gold Suppliers magazine, Milk Matters, Supporting Sustainable Farming. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. And it brings us nicely on to the Grassland Farmer of the Year Awards 2020 again. The winners were announced as part of the online awards ceremony on the 19th of January. Grassland Farmer of the Year Awards, part of the Chagas Grass 10 campaign, supported by the department Chagas AIB FBD Insurance, Grassland Agro and the Irish Farmers Journal. The first four-year phase of the programme has been completed and the second phase begins this year. Well, the Grassland Farmer of the Year Awards 2020 recognised the best in grassland management, for which there were 15 finalists, and Minister Charlie McConnell praised the finalists who were joining a group of top-class grassland farmers. Cork, well represented among the finalists, with John O'Connell, Rathduff, John Galvin, Dunmanway, Caroline Walsh, Ballinascarthy, Pat Collins, Castle Martyr, and Noel Hurley, Kildorery. We're going to hear this week from the category winners, John Galvin for Sustainable Farming, Pat Collins, Beef Production Non-Suckling, Noel Hurley, Most Improved Grassland, and as we heard last week, Caroline Walsh for Dairy, who was also named the overall winner of the Grassland Farmer of the Year 2020. My name is Caroline Walsh and I'm a dairy farmer in Ballinscarty, County Cork. I farm here with my husband, Joe, and we have five children, Caitlin, Daniel, Leanne, Connor and Louise. We milked 70 cows in 2020 and the cows delivered 515 kilos of milk solids to Lissavard Co-op. The herd EBI is 176. I began farming in my own right in 2009. Uh, we're a grass-based system. The farm grew 16 tonne in 2019. We achieved over 10 grazings per paddock for the year. I walked the farm about 40 times during the grazing season, mostly for a bit of therapy. The rest is to measure the grass and see where the cows are going for the next four or five days and try and make a plan. So every December we soil sample and from the soil samples we do the best that we can to correct the pH and the P and K imbalances on the farm. When we started here in 2013, the lime requirements were high and the P's and K requirements were high. So we're kind of coming to a place where lime requirements are now low and the P's and K's are adequate in the farm for grass growth. 
The main reason for reseeding on the farm is to bring up the productivity of each paddock. I suppose from grass measuring, I can see in the annual tonnage how much each paddock grows. If there's three tonne of a difference, then the bottom paddock needs to come out. Some paddocks of clover here on the farm, and my ambition for clover is to reduce the amount of chemical nitrogen spread on the farm. On this farm, we put an awful lot of effort into managing grass, especially grass measuring. I can plan four or five days in advance if there's swimming Tuesday evening at four o'clock and there's G8 at six o'clock. Everybody needs to know where paddock 10 is. Caitlin gets off the bus, go and get the cows. Cows are turned around in three quarters of an hour. Grass measuring helps me do that. My name is John Gallivan. I farm here in Dunmanway, County Cork. It's a dairy farm with grass-based system. I'm here with my wife, Yvonne, and our four young children. We milked just over 100 cows in this farm in 2020. We delivered 512 kilos of milk solids to Dairy Gold Co-op at 4.8 fat and 3.86 protein. Uh, it's a crossbred herd with an EBI of 159 euros. I began farming in 1999, and since then I have operated basic, simple, grass-based system. On average, this farm is growing about 15 tonnes of grass per year. We have 40 grass walks done, and we use our pasture-based app to record these measurements on pasture-based. I put a lot of effort into managing grass because the more grass our cows can eat, the more profit this farm will make. Grass is our cheapest feed, and the more of it we can grow, the less inputs that have to come in the farm. Start calving here on the last days of January, early February. Uh, we're consistently calving over 90% in six weeks. So a high demand for grass coming to March. So 20 years ago, when I started farming here, this farm was index ones and twos for P's and K's, and it needed a lot of lime. So I put a plan in place, which was to do soil testing every second year and apply P and K and lime as was required. So fixing the soil fertility to this farm has grown more grass in the farm, and particularly in the shoulders of the year. We received this paddock in 2019. We use our pasture-based app to measure our paddocks for grass grown. This was identified as our lower performing paddock, so we received it. I'm Pat Collins, and I'm farming here in Castmarkter in East Cork, alongside my father, Matt. We have tillage and beef enterprise. On the beef side of it, we finish bulls under 16 months and under 20 months, and Angus heifers off of grass in 19 months. The average output of the farm is over 2,000 kilos per hectare. We kill the 16-month bulls at about 590 kilos, the 20-month bulls at 640, and we're aiming for about 5-10 kilos for the Angus heifers. The farm grew over 15 tonne on average in 2020. I walked the farm over 30 times a year to assess growth and ground conditions. We receded this part of the farm in 2017. The soil fertility on this block is very good and when receding it, we added clover to the mix. I walk the farm regularly because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Knowing what you have in front of you and knowing the weather that is coming helps you ensure that the right decisions are made. I put in a lot of effort into managing the grass because every kg put on the grass is a kilo less to be put on in the shed. With the production systems we have, it's vital that animals are grazing the correct covers all the time. Once the bulls settle down, we move them every day, a day and a half. The farm is set up with a roadway down the centre with paddocks to the left and right. We use temporary fence with a good shock to set up paddocks. The average daily gain of bulls at grass in 2020 was 1.25 kilos per day. For us, 
grass is about getting as much cheap weight gain as we can by getting as much grazed grass into the diet as possible. My name is Noel Hurley and I'm a dairy farmer in Kildare in County Cork. I farm with my wife Liz and we have three children in their 20s. Last year I milked 165 cows and delivered 500 kilos of milk solids to the Argyle Co-op stocked at three cows to the hectare. I put a lot of effort into managing grass because it reduces costs and puts extra money in my pocket. It increases the proportion of grazed grass in the diet and it ensures that average covers are achieved at critical times. I measure grass 35 to 40 times per year because it takes the guesswork out of grass management, it highlights when I need to react quickly to changing grass supply, and it identifies surpluses and deficits early. The average farm cover was 860 in early December, and I expect the farm cover to increase to over 1,000 kilos on February 1st. Our plan is to have a good supply of early spring grass because the demand for spring grass is high with 80% six-week calving rate, and getting cows out to grass is worth 270 per cow per day. Having cows at grass reduces workload while increasing yield and protein. We carry out reseeding to increase grass production, especially in the spring, and to get higher response to nitrogen, and to introduce more clover into the swads. This paddock here has the highest cover at 1,200 kilos of dry matter per hectare at the moment in early January. It was closed on the 7th of October. I have a strong focus on fixing soil fertility because I want to maximise the productivity of the soil while also reducing the amount of purchased fertiliser. And congratulations to all the Cork finalists on their success in the Grassland Farmer of the Year Awards 2020. But of course, specifically, Caroline Walsh, who was the overall winner. Well, the Farming Independent this week brought us the story of how monster herds have dominated the IHFA National Herd Awards 2020, taking two out of every three of the overall awards. And again, Cork's well represented. Ricky Barrett's Laurel Ellum Herd has consistently produced several dairy champions over the decades and won the overall accolade for the large herds over 80 cows. Robert and Sylvia Helen for their Edie Herd took second place in the under 80 cows category. Kerry, Limerick and Tipperary Herd owners were also successful in the IHFA National Herd Awards 2020. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 2021 nitrate derogation applications can now be submitted using the department's online portal www.agfood.ie or lowercase. Farmers are advised by the Minister of Agriculture, Mr. McConnell, to contact their agricultural advisor to determine if they should avail of this facility. Minister McConnell points out that the nitrate derogation provides farmers with an opportunity to farm at higher stocking rates, subject to certain conditions designed to protect the environment and meet the requirements of the European Union's nitrates directive. The nitrate derogation is contingent on meeting water quality standards, and these measures are designed to protect water quality. Indeed, the Minister points out, 2021 will see a full review of the European Union's nitrates regulations, including the derogation facility. Minister McConnell points out, the derogation is an important facility for more intensive farmers. Almost 6,500 intensively stocked farmers availed of the derogation in 2020. The Minister said he would encourage more intensively stocked farmers to engage early with this application process and discuss the need for a derogation with their agricultural advisor. The closing date for applications is 31st of March 2021. Farmers who applied for a derogation in 2020 are also reminded they must submit 2020 fertiliser accounts for the year 2020 by 31st of March 2021 also. Farmers not already registered for agfood.ie can do so by logging on to www.agfood.ie and clicking the register button. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. And that brings us around to our weekly Tagusk advisory. And John J. McNamara joins us. Well, on Thursday the 4th, our colleagues in East Cork have a beef webinar that's on on Thursday the 4th at half seven. Now, rather than giving you the link over the radio here, the best thing would be to contact your local Tagusk office in East Cork or anywhere, and they'll give you the link. And it actually fits in pretty well, Barry, what we'll be talking about on nitrogen and that, because I know one of the topics they're dealing with is the use of the making better use of slurry using the LES, the low emission slurry spreading. Nitrates, and we're hearing a lot about it in relation to farming at the moment, John. Nitrogen efficiency is a new term there, so maybe you can briefly explain what that means. Yeah, it, it, it's been around, but I suppose we haven't really had cause to look at it. I suppose like everything on farm now, you're just trying to get better use out of any product you use. So what this is really looking at is the total amount of nitrogen that comes onto the farm. And we all automatically assume that's only in the form of bag fertilizer but if you think about it if you're taking in ration or any other feed stuff you're equally taking nitrogen in inside and those and for our dry stock friends you know who are doing more buying you're purchasing stock and with the stock you're bringing in nitrogen so that's the the total amount of nitrogen that comes on the farm then that's used for various things in the farm and then you're looking at how much of it leaves the farm so from a dairy man's point of view the bulk of that will be going out in milk and the bulk of that is inside in the protein because pro- nitrogen is inside in the protein. And for every other stock, then you sell off the farm. So, you know, you're selling cows, cull cows, you're selling beef cattle. 
that's what goes out. And what the efficiency is looking at is seeing how much of the product that comes in, how much nitrogen that comes in that you put back out the gate again. Because the whole game is trying to increase, you know, make as much use as you can out of what's coming in. And what are the levels of efficiency on firms? I suppose, Barry, we're really only starting to collate a lot of that data now because this gets more important. And from what we see off the National Farm Survey, off the dairy farmers out there, we've good data on them. It's down around 24%. Now, some there, there are research farms, there are individual farms that are running that figure up at, you know, 34, 40. Um, how to increase it above that, you're really talking of either reducing the amount that's coming in or for the same amount coming in, increasing the output. And clover, we're starting to hear more about clover. Clover is well proven at research level. We need to get more of it out on farms because farmers really will come up with ways of cracking the problem of how do you grow clover in more difficult situations. We know if you bring in clover, you have the ability to lift the efficiency all the way up to nearly 60%. They've proven it to be at 58%. That's tremendous. Now, our fertiliser companies mightn't be over glad about hearing of less nitrogen coming onto farms. But from a farmer point of view, this means a, a number of things. It's improving environment, it's improving our image, and equally put more money in his pocket. And the importance then of nitrogen efficiency? I'll go back to, from an economic point of view, Barry, it's important because you're making better use of, 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 of an expensive product coming onto your farm. But equally, the more of it that we can use that's gone back in any of those, you know, outputs that I'm talking about, milk or animals, it means there's less of it sitting around in the soil with the potential to get lost or, or maybe get lost as a fancy or a, a, a simple word for saying that sitting, sitting in the soil and getting washed into groundwater or getting washed into rivers. And more and more, we see that our, our water quality in the country is not bad. We're in the top third in Europe, but we're struggling to hold it as good as what it is. And, and, and the more we can make more use of nitrogen, the less nitrogen that's available to end up in groundwater. So we're more likely to hold the good status we have. And how do you go then about improving and getting more nitrogen efficient? It's really matching, I suppose, what we need in the terms of grass versus what we're, what we're putting on. And... I suppose anyone listening is going to say that he's going to start promoting grass measurement and that. But the reason the department have that included for everyone in derogation is to improve our management of the resource we have. So if if you're doing if you're using grass measurement and you're you're looking at all the information that's out there available to you. So you're looking at your 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 weather forecast, you're looking at the way growth has been going in the previous week, you can then gauge whether you put on more nitrogen and to drive it on, or maybe you have enough bales around the place already, you're not looking for particularly more, and you're, you're managing then your input to try to match more your inputs of nitrogen versus the outputs of grass you're, you're putting on. The big, big one, though, is going to be reducing the total amount of brought-in nitrogen and using clover instead inside in the farm to fill that gap. Like in this catchment area that we're listening to today, you know, both Moor Park and the farm in Clannacilty have proven now for at least seven, maybe ten years, they've proven that they're growing the exact same amount of grass with clover and 150 kilos of nitrogen. And I'm I'm a bit the old school. 
150 is about 150 units an acre. So 150 kilos a hectare, being very technical, you multiply it by 0.8 and you get units an acre. But yeah, for the purpose of this, they're damn near the same. They're proven they're getting the exact same amount of, gra- of grass doing that as they were in, in similar ground right beside the same clover plots. And these are plots now, this is a farm trial. So I should be saying paddocks. They're getting the same amount of grass grown with 150 and clover as they were with bag nights and a 250. So we can do it. Yes, there's issues about getting clover established. Yes, it's going to take a little bit more management, but we are being driven there. I was listening to a webinar this week where Jack Nolan of the department, and he's a credit out there because he's very clear speaking. He said, lads, we mightn't like it, but we all know the reality of where Europe is going to push us. And as well as Europe ourselves, because we have a unique selling point selling into Europe and our green image, and we need to protect that. Otherwise, we are going to be at the same milk price as, any, as Europe. We're, we're moving towards commodity rather than the green image we have. And he was very clear about where regulation is going to move us to, is going to move us to reducing our stock and rate within a derogation. So that will probably squeeze a bit. And on top of that, the amount of bag nitrogen we're allowed buy in, and they will come up with a way of policing that um, uh, more accurately. That is going to constrict us. And I think with that, if we're going to keep growing the same amount of grass and keep having the same output, we're going to have to crack the clover game. And thanks to John J. McNamara. And we'll have more on the nitrates topic in Wednesday's programme. Sheep prices have been fairly good in the recent past, despite some criticism. IFA Sheep Chair John Dennehy criticised factories for the unjustified cuts in lamb prices this week. He said market conditions were strong and the numbers of suitable lambs tight and the attempt by factories is opportunistic and unjustified. Meanwhile, Farm Talk's John O'Connor has identified another threat to the sector which needs urgent attention and joins me to discuss the issue. That's correct, Barry. It's the ever-increasing resistance of worms in the sheep's stomach to remedies. That is to say, the anthelmintic resistance of worms to treatments which should kill them off. Treatments which had been working effectively until recently. Resistance has grown up over time due to misuse and overdosing, etc. And John, how aware are sheep farmers about this threat and what's being done at official and industry level to tackle it? Firstly, farmers received an information leaflet with their 2020 annual sheep and goat census form outlining the importance of paying heed to anthelmintic resistance, along with setting out a simple four-point plan designed to clearly state best practice. Farmers have been warned they need to take heed before it's too late. Chagas has teamed up with industry partners to highlight what they see as the alarming rate at which anthelmintic resistance is developing on farms. And can we point to some specific pieces of advice to counter misuse of treatments? The advice from Chagask is actually crystal clear. Healthy mature ewes should not receive treatment for worms unless there is a demonstrated need. Unnecessary dosing will only increase the rate at which the efficacy of the wormer breaks down and resistance develops. And John, I suppose it's possible that some farmers with the best of intentions may think that they're bringing about two benefits by dosing yews of any worm burden and reducing pasture contamination. 
That may well be the case, Barry, but Chagas researcher Orla Keane explains that healthy ewes will develop immunity to the normal range of worms and therefore treatment in this regard is a waste of time and a waste of money. Reducing the level of pasture contamination is also not necessarily a good thing, Miss Orla Keane points out, if it's reducing the population of susceptible worms, leading to resistant to stronger worms, dominating and multiplying over time. So if we remind sheep farmers about the gist of the four important points contained in the information leaflet sent out with the 2020 Sheep and Goat Census forms. Number one, do not dose adult yews for stomach worms unless there is a demonstrated need. Number two, use only products from group 1BZ, white drenches, to treat nematode-related conditions in lambs. Number three, quarantine drench. Prevent bought-in resistance on arrival to the farm. Number four, drench test fecal egg count. And finally, where can listeners find out more about the campaign to control stomach worms in sheep? Listeners should check out the Chagas site for links to the subject. Mr Michael Godstein is head of Chagas Knowledge Transfer Sheep Programme. Recently, Mr Godstein said, antibiotic resistance is not new at farm level, but it is a topic that is challenging to get farmers to buy into, and this is clearly reflected in the worrying trend of increasing resistance. End of quote. Soil sampling is very good value for money and provides information tailored to the soils on your farm. A standard soil test costs around 60 cents an acre annually. Soil sample test results will enable the planning of lime, organic manure and fertiliser applications. Comparing these figures with those of the previous year will reveal how your soils have been responding to lime, phosphorus P and potassium K applications in the previous year. The most important information to be obtained from soil sampling will be to establish the soil type or types on your farm. Light soils can change relatively fast, while heavy soils take longer. Soil K levels will increase more quickly than P levels. On seeing the analysis of your soil sample, the first decision to be taken should be to act on lime advice in the soil sample result. Lime should only be applied based on a soil test report. Maintaining the optimum pH on mineral soils will help maximise the soil N supply during the growing season, reducing the need for bagged N. Correcting soil pH to the optimum pH 6.3 on mineral soils will release up to 56 units of N per acre, worth €28 per acre per year. Soil testing is available at Dairy Gold, Analytical Services Laboratory, Lumberstown Mallow, Air Code, P51F992 or the following phone number 022-31580 or email asi at dairygold.ie or lowercase. Your local Chagas representative can also advise on soil testing and arrange to have samples taken and analysed. Extensive information on the benefits of soil sampling in the February 2021 issue of the Chagas Client magazine, Today's Firm, in a feature entitled How Soil Tests Can Make You Money, written by Mr Mark Plunkett, Chagas Crops, Environment and Land Use Programme. Mapping Soil Fertility Improvements is covered in a separate feature by Mr. Kyle Summers, ASAM Advisor, and also Mr. Own Power, Dairy Advisor Chagask, all in the February issue of the client Chagask magazine, Today's Farm. 
and further information regarding soil sample testing from Dairy Gold Analytical Services Laboratory, Lumberstown. Phone number 022-31580. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. Aldi has announced over 1,000 new jobs nationally, 120 in Cork this year, and it's now inviting Cork food, drink and non-food related producers to join its Grow With Aldi supplier development programme. Aldi's investment in the programme has now reached €3 million and the Grow With Aldi call for entries is underway. The supplier development programme is back for a fourth year, offering huge opportunity for Cork-based producers to win a place on Aldi's shelves nationwide. Last year, over 75 products went on sale in May 2020 as part of the Grow With Aldi Special Buys event. Six products were chosen in July to form part of their core range nationwide. Lidl Ireland has announced the return of 36 products from 25 small Irish suppliers, including a local Cork business, which were part of the retailer's annual Kickstart Supplier Development Programme last summer. Suppliers from Cork to Donegal are participating, along with an existing network of more than 260 local Irish suppliers for the limited edition promotion. Developed in partnership with Board Beer, Lidl has already invested a million euro through the programme since 2017. The limited edition range is available in Lidl stores and features the Cork-based supplier Kinsale Bay Food Company. Ballymaloo Foods has announced it's planning to increase its focus on the pasta sauce market this year with a significant investment. Figures show the branded pasta sauce market in Ireland worth €24.6 million, Euro, but only 1 in 20 of the branded pasta sauces sold in Ireland is an Irish sauce. Ballymaloo Foods has big ambitions to double this by the end of the year. They're also focusing on reducing their use of soft plastic, having reduced it by 1.3 tonnes in their supply chain in 2020. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.